Welcome to PMA Takes on Tech, the podcast that explores the problems, solutions, people, and ideas that are shaping the future of the produce industry. I'm your host, Bonnie Estes, Vice President of Technology for the Produce Marketing Association, and I've spent years in the ag tech sector. So I can attest, it's hard to navigate this ever-changing world in developing and adopting new solutions to industry problems. Thanks for joining us and for allowing us to serve as your guide to the new world of produce and technology. My goal of the podcast is to outline a problem in the produce industry and then discuss several possible solutions that can be deployed today. Special thanks to PMA member CropTrack for their sponsorship of our new series of PMA Takes on Tech. CropTrack's cloud platform helps companies digitize their entire supply chain to enable real-time visibility at any point from planting to production. Go to croptrack.com slash PMA to track what matters. Our podcast today is about technology transforming business operations. We will do a deep dive with Lipman Family Farms and their process of adopting CropTrack's real-time supply chain management. There are a number of companies similar to Lipman and a number of supply chain management companies, but we really can't understand the value or the challenges unless we dig deep into a real case scenario. There are pearls of wisdom here that can apply to everyone in the supply chain. We talked to Aaron Hutchinson, president and co-founder of CropTrack. From Lipman, we talked to Jamie Marin, production operations analyst, and Justin Robertson, chief administrative officer, about the incorporation of supply chain management into the Lipman operation. There are so many good nuggets in this conversation about technology adoption. I love the conversation about how the two groups continue to iterate and bring value in leveraging the data. Jamie talks about integrating and iterating with the technology to make sure that the tools fit the needs of the growers and the information is of value. Let's start with hearing from Aaron Hutchinson. I'm Aaron Hutchinson, co-founder and president of CropTrack. I grew up in a small Florida agricultural community and went to college in Florida. I did my Navy thing and then joined my partners for our first company, which was really focused on military 3D GIS and remote sensing, which we sold in 2005. Hmm. Using some of those dollars, uh, we actually self-financed our second company, CropTrack, in 2009. We did a lot of barbecue, a lot of beer, and a lot of visiting growers to come up with uh, defining our mission. Uh, Our mission here is to harness the power of data to address supply chain problems, limiting the availability of safe, affordable, and sustainable food. I think it's ironic that more than 12 years later, we're still working on the same problem. And it's much bigger than anybody ever thought it was ever going to be. And to meet our mission, um, CropTech sells tools, deploys no-code development environments to digitize our customers' unique supply chains. That allows them to be really efficient and agile while making it possible to identify problems and opportunities for continued improvement. Um, and those improvements could be in their crops and their contracts and their sustainability or even in their relationships. We're doing this in over 60 countries in eight languages for 70 primarily fresh and IP crops 
uh, for global 500 kinds of companies and vertically integrated operators, much like Libman. We also work towards our mission through leveraging philanthropy. So we also have a goal here of amplifying nonprofit organizations with similar goals that we have to help make a larger impact on the food chain. Now I'm excited to be here today and on this panel to talk about the topic. Thanks a lot, Aaron. And thanks for your sponsorship of this series on rebuilding resilient, secure, and transparent supply chains. So we also have two special guests, two people from Littman Family Farms. Justin, why don't you start and tell us about Littman yourself and a little about the relationship with CropTrack. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Uh, my name is Justin Robertson. I'm the Chief Administrative Officer at Littman. Um, part of my role is really to oversee the IT, the tech, and, and the data technology strategy and initiatives for the company. Um, you know, Lipman is the nation's largest integrated network of local growers, fresh cut processors, and distributors. Uh, we're a family-owned business for over 80 years um, and are vertically integrated. So um, from a vertical integration standpoint, we have the opportunity to really control a lot of our supply from seed and varietal total development to farming to packing and then to some value-added initiatives in, in fresh cut processing, repacking, and even uh, distribution. Great, thanks. And Jamie, how about you? Hey, thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for having us on. Um, I actually started off as an intern here at Littman about six years ago. Uh, now I'm a production operations analyst. Look, and those internships enough, uh, really work. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I guess they do. And it's so funny. Uh, my first project was the implementation of CropTrack. So um, after that, I led the implementation when we decided to do a full-scale rollout here at Littman. Uh, and that's been part of my role. But as an enterprise or in, within the enterprise, my focus is really in deepening our understanding of our data operational um, to generate and drive better decision making. So just uh, curious, if someone wanted a cool job like yours, what kind of training did you get? How did you end up with that internship and in this job? Yeah, so I was asked to apply uh, to the internship, but my background is more uh, in the traditional IS sense. Uh, so I worked a lot uh, in SQL databases and uh, analytics, but now I'm, I'm like an effect, uh, effective intermediary between operations and IT. So oh, cool. kind of grow into it sometimes and learn as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. Um, Justin, I understand you are implementing this technology into your platforms and have made some interesting changes to your supply chain management processes. Tell us about the challenges you faced and how data has helped mitigate that challenge. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, we, we, from a macro standpoint, you know, a number of years ago, we really began to see kind of the power of, of data. And that was when the big data buzzword was floating around and a lot of people were talking about it. Um, but I think few in our space were really beginning to look at how do we begin to harness that. Um, and so from, from kind of a, a big picture standpoint, we were asking really three questions. One was, how do we be, get better at forecasting our crop? So how do we know, how do we get better at knowing how much crop we're going to have and when? Um, the other is, how do we gain insight into what at a farming level was the unknown, right? There's... There's almost this wall you come up against in, in farming where you, you kind of get from 
a lot of this anecdotal data that you've just kind of learned through the years, the art of farming, right? Um, and getting past that into more of what we wanted to find was some of the empirical data with farming and, and getting into that next level of granularity of, of the science behind it. Um, and then the third kind of piece from a, from a data standpoint um, was that we, we wanted to digitize the farmer's notebook. Um, you know, we, we, we noticed early on that we have a network of farms across the U.S., and, and each farm has localized management, and there's a plethora of knowledge and data that sits in that farm manager's notebook and his notepad and his supervisor's notepad. And so uh, we kind of asked the question of how do we begin to centralize that and digitize that um, so at some point we could begin to um, pull all that data together and really harness it. And so those were kind of some of the, the questions we were asking early on, and, and that's when we met um, that's when we met Aaron. It was, uh, gosh, probably about six years ago that we, I think I stumbled upon CropCheck uh, just Google searching, trying huh. to find uh, solutions. And, and really what stood out to us with CropCheck was, was the ability to take what we were currently doing and build it, customize it into their platform. Most of the other solutions at the time were very off the shelf. We had to fit our, our operation into their platform, and it was very rigid um, and, and didn't give us a whole lot of flexibility. So um, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of how we began the crop track journey, and, and there's been a lot of different pieces, you know, to that along the way. But, um, you know, you were asking about challenges. I think um, with any kind of tech project, trying to launch something, I think, this big um, is always a challenge. From, from the investment and resource standpoint, from the time and energy from key personnel, and then to primarily the user adoption, right? You're taking a lot of employees that maybe have never even hardly worked with a computer because they're working more hands-on on the farm as, as supervisors, mechanics, um, very kind of, um, you know, tractor operators, and asking them now to carry an iPad and begin, you know, capturing a lot of their information notes into an iPad. And so, um, you know, I think the challenge is really, you know, were we gonna, were we really gonna, um, you know, make the investment to make this kind of change and have this kind of impact that we were hoping to see? Yeah, through the whole chain, because that's a, a lot of different people. So you were actually looking, you said you, you did a Google search. So you were actually looking for supply chain management. Was there something that happened that you said, okay, now we need to find someone to help us with this. What, how did you, um, what happened that made you think you needed help there? Yeah, I, th I think that was all, um, that was a lot of internal discussion. You know, Lipman's been farming for generations and, and decades now. So, um, there was never this, this feel that we were missing something. I think, if anything, um, we've been one of the kind of best in class from, from a farm operation standpoint. But a part of that is that we've, all, we've always pushed ourselves on how do we get better and, and what are we missing? What's kind of the next step, the next iteration in this process? And I think um, a, lot of, a lot of us came to the conclusion that it was we needed to really seriously begin looking at specific to our farm operations, right? So across our supply chain on the farm operations, we needed to begin looking at um, a much more efficient way to begin digitizing data, 
um, and then to begin harnessing it and mining it in a way that was going to begin to to give us more of a competitive advantage. Great. And so did you adopt um, a whole program at once or did you start with pieces and, and try one piece and then try another piece and try to tie them together? Or how did that work? Because you said you didn't have to put your whole system into a system that was already set up in a way that didn't fit you. So how did you kind of start with with the whole system? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. We, we started slow uh, because of that. We knew that if we really wanted to make something like this work, it, it really had to be, um, it had to make sense to the, to the operator, so to the, the farm manager, the supervisors that were gonna be using it. Um, and we wanted it to mirror as much as possible what they were doing. And so, so to do that on the front end took a lot of work um, from our end to really, to really customize the crop track platform, the way that we needed it to really work with our operations. And so um, in general then, yeah, we started small. I think we started with one license probably for a number of months. I'm um, sure Aaron and his team were, were really wanting to try and sell a lot more, but we were, we were slow adopters. Um, but we wanted to make sure it was, it was gonna work. And we really, we, we, we approached a lot of our projects that way and try and phase it. Um, but build it in a way that if we can prove it out at a small level, that then we could we could quickly then be able to scale it, right? And so I think there was a lot of work put in on the front end that gave us the, the ability to really, once we knew this thing was really gonna work, begin to scale it across all of our operations the way we needed to. Um, and, and a lot of, you know, that's where uh, Jamie's involvement came into play as, as an intern and then now into his professional careers, helping us really take some of those that vision and some of those ideas um, and help make it then scalable and get all of our operations on board. So how long did that take to implement or are you still in the process of implementing? We're, we're still implementing. <laughs> I love, <laughs> and, I love and, Aaron. I, and I would say every customer is forever evolving because they yeah. have the, their processes are getting better or they're changing the way they think about things. And so it's not uncommon for them to be four or five years into it and still kind of evolving the product. That makes sense. Yes, yeah, you know, the minute we're not implementing is the minute I think we've we've gotten too comfortable and we've slowed down. Um, so we, I mean, we really we've we've been using the CropTrack platform now for a number of years, and we're still adding to it. We're still building onto it. We're still finding new things that we can incorporate it with. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I think you said that on the onset, Aaron, uh, just in terms of talking about the company. I mean, you guys are always trying to evolve and iterate and, and get better. And I think in the same token, you know, we're doing the same with the product. We're, we're continuously adding features to it for sure. So from a management perspective, what are some of the key learnings that would help others in the produce industry improve the efficiency of their supply chains? Um, you know, change takes time. <laughs> and I think there was a lot of expectations that when we launched this, we would have it, you know, fully um, implemented, that we would have all the users on board and that we would, you know, uh, but that was a process. And there's, there's a lot of stakeholders in a, in a process like this and, and a lot of people involved. And so um, something that we learned quickly was that, you know, this wasn't obviously going to be a success unless the user base was involved. And so really being able to build kind of the, 
um, the reputation with the user base and focusing on that, um, I think really helped to make this success. So I think just in general, you know, ch change is always a challenge and it's going to be a challenge no matter what kind of solution um, we implement. But I, th I think the other thing we kind of learned and I think we still see is that there's just so much um, opportunity within our supply chain and within other supply chains to, to continue just to leverage um, some technology like this and, and even other solutions um, that will give us a lot more visibility into our supply chain and then the ability to streamline and, and implement more you know, efficient and optimized processes. I think he said something really important there is he said he got his customer, right? His customer involved in the sense his user, his field user. So many times big organizations adopt IT projects like this and IT rolls it out. And yeah. the person on the end gets whatever they deliver. And I think one of the things that Lippman did really well was almost at the beginning, there was a, a user sitting there at the table having a vote uh, on what was good and what was bad. And maybe it was bad for IT, but it was good for the Good for them, and we had to figure out how to bend the data to make it, you know, useful on both ends. So I think that's a really important message. So Aaron, Absolutely. just I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask Aaron to follow up on that. Um, so how much kind of specialization do you have to do with customers um, in the, do you have to change the product that you're delivering to them or um, it, can you just help them solve some problems on the current products that you have? So we're a no-code environment, and the way we assemble it is really how we bend it to meet their 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 processes and everything. So uh, hopefully, you know, these guys would say, yeah, you know, Shawnee and the team are part of their team because, you know, we have process engineers who are professionally trained to to get into the process with these guys and help them out. Um, but we're there in the trenches with them almost all the time to you know helping them push the envelope with the tools. And whenever we got to bend the tool. In engineering to make it do something they want to do, we go do that too, right? So we're involved in all of our customers' lives. We don't just get to drop it and run, um, <laughs> which is good and bad, right? So we learn yeah. a lot about learn about a lot about our food and, and a lot about our customers. PropCheck has been a great strategic partner through this rollout. Um, you know, from monthly to weekly calls and status, and uh, as far as the implementation goes, they, they have been our, our biggest partner. Uh, aside from our from our user base, for sure. And, and you know, Jamie alluded to this in his introduction, but it, it, it circles back to what Aaron was saying. Having somebody like him, you know, he was our he was our go between between operations and IT, kind of helping to um, you know mend that relationship. I think is is critical and, and key. So somebody that can speak the operation language, can understand it, can know exactly what the operators need but then come back and also be able to speak some of the IT language and be able to um, help pull together some vision for the IT side of things um, as well. You know, we, like Aaron said, the, the, the CropTrack no-code environment gave us the ability to kind of build out a lot of what we wanted to with, with little to no kind of IT expertise. Um, but then internally, we've also layered on all kinds of some of our IT systems and infrastructure to speak with and work with a lot of the crop track data. And so having somebody um, in a role like Jamie's, you know, really helps make that a success. So Jamie, take us onto the farm. Can you describe some of the improvements you have made and how growers are responding? 
Yeah, definitely. So, uh, like Justin alluded to earlier, uh, we set out with this immediate goal of digitizing that farmer's notebook, which gave us a great template or uh, a great platform for what we wanted to achieve. So, right there, it gave us everything that they think is important and everything that they're referencing in order to make the decisions that they're doing. So from there, we got, we got a great foundation for a, a data collection system that previously was very inefficient and scattered across pretty much all, all parts of the U.S. Uh, we had issues with, uh, we almost came up with like a crop track dictionary that, you know, <laughs> at this location, they call it this, and at this location, they call it this. Um, so being able to effectively put that together was a huge improvement operationally um, to begin with. So that that was one of the very first improvements that we set out to do was we need to make this universal for us. Um, and from there, we just copied that farmer's notebook. We built some reports on top of it, and now they're the source for data across lots of other departments and divisions. Uh, but then we took a, a really strong and early look at our scouting and our crop monitoring. So that's been digitized in CropTrack now for about six years. And with the ability to import or backload some of the information, we have crop mon weekly mo crop monitoring information going back about 10 years, which is invaluable to us uh, and is available to us uh, in any format that we think is useful at that time. So how is technology helping you to assess the information and increase transparency across your supply chain? Yeah, so I, I think data collection systems like CropTrack allow us to be really intentional about what we capture. Uh, one of the biggest advantages that we found using CropTrack is the flexibility to measure what we want and how we want it and still be the owners and uh, regulators of our own data. Uh, that ability to customize has really allowed us to place CropTrack like right at the pillar of our data strategy, and it's one of the first things that we look to when there's a, a novel problem uh, to solve in terms of data collection. It's, you know, why can't we put CropTrack to do that? So what did you have to do to engage your customers um, or your partners in the system? Was there any hesitation or worry? What were the issues that you had to solve? And can you give an example of, of someone you worked with that was may have been particularly challenging? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think from the onset, we, we recognized that we needed that we, we had this opportunity to leverage our data. Uh, that was, you know, the goal that we saw as a, as a, from a data strategy standpoint, well, not yet because I was still an intern, but <laughs> I came to learn that a little bit later. But um, we, we had to first and foremost make the farmers and their supervisory, their foreman, we had to make their lives easier. And we need to make it a farm-centered initiative. Like Justin talked about earlier, it, it really was that a lot of the time, you know, I would be weeks and weeks away from the office because I was at the farms working on a problem, integrating, iterating, um, and truly answering to them in order to create that bond between the user and the product so that it uh, mended well and it was used properly. Um, but yeah, I think innovation in general is really iterative. Uh, we tried capturing some data in some ways, and then that didn't quite work. And it wasn't, you know, I think they'll be the most honest when it doesn't work, and maybe not so honest when it's 
working just fine. But um, when something's not user-friendly, it's quickly rejected, right? We can mm. see the usage on some of the forms, and we can see that they're not filling them out. But um, every year we have uh, our farmers retreat where we group up all of the farmers from around the country. And um, this year we did a presentation on um, how we're supplementing some of their existing reporting with uh, machine learning models that we built using the data that they're collecting in CropTrack. Um, and one of our owners came up to me after the presentation and he said, you know, something to the effect of, if you would have told me that when we started this initiative, you would have had an IT guy talking analytics, machine learning, and AI, and <laughs> having those farmers right there and engaged and asking questions, you know, and not throw me out of the room when I told them I could predict their yields better than they could, you know, I, I would have called you crazy. <laughs> That's great. But I, I think it just shows that making the tool about them as opposed to just sort of some corporate thing that they need to abide by. Um, it created great rapport and communication channels between IT and farming. And I think they trust that they're not just the users, but they're, they're key stakeholders and they can steer that ship in whatever way they want. That's great. That's a great answer. So Aaron, you work uh, with many growers in produce, some in the beginning stages of their tech journey, others like Lipman that are way out ahead. What can others learn from your past technology implementation? Mm, that is a great question. Um, as you heard uh, Lipman say, um, and I'll kind of rephrase it, if you track it, you can improve it, right? <laughs> um, but based on uh, who you are, the, and they also said this, you know, the it, the thing that's, you know, will likely make a difference in the organization uh, isn't one size fits all. And he told you, even within his organization, all of his farms had a little one size fits each organization, sub organization. So, um, so that's one of the reasons why, you know, we have a tagline on our website says, you know, track what matters, because in the end, it, that's really all that matters is that you get the kind of information to get to that ML or get to the decision making that you're talking about. And, um, and one of the, you know, and he explained a good reason why we have a flexible platform. Um, you know, I, I was going to say, you know, when, uh, when he was talking about, um, you know, rolling it out and all that, you know, a company really shouldn't abandon what's really working for them because they want to do digital capture of important data. And instead, what we need to do is put in place some sort of processes that allow them to capture the essential information and capture the business rules that go along with it. Because it actually takes both of those if you want data confidence and data repeatability. Because if you don't have either of those, you're just guessing all the time anyway, and you're not going to get to the kind of end goal that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, kind of an example, I think COVID was a great validator of how important having data and embedded business rules in your digital platform could be for an organization. I think COVID required everybody to you know, break their routines um, distribute their employees and find new ways to kind of get business done, right? And uh, for one of our customers, they knew that they didn't need every one of those contracted acres they had out there, but they still had to fulfill some of their contract obligations. And so what was interesting was they took the tools to determine the most profitable areas to harvest by considering their grower contracts, their hauling contracts as executed against them, where their processing facilities were and such. And then they were able to tweak those business rules inside the tool and execute those 
those changes, right, to only pick those individual fields and, and bring them in and meet those contracts with a very little impact on their employees, their growers. And because we were doing it at a business rule level inside the tool, we also still were able to 100% audit all of the loads that came across the scale when we, you know, working towards the settlement. And if you had to try to do that on the fly with paper and all, that would have been just mm. almost an impossible and untenable thing that you want to take on. And um, so I got really excited seeing the software do this agile task because that's the way I think about it. Somebody in the room said, if we could just figure out which one of the cheapest ones, we should only harvest those, right? Um, and then it led to, you know, all of these no-code changes that allowed this to happen. And, you know, over, you know what was kind of cool was to hear the customer's excitement over the time it took him to do it, which were really, really fast, and the money he saved making these decisions. And, um, and I'm sure Littman has, a, you know, has some examples similar to that as well inside of their infrastructure. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, Aaron, just to add on to that, it, we definitely do. I think we have created additional clearer channels of information and communication flowing from the farm, you know, through payroll, uh, packing, sales, accounting, they all rely on the data that's being stored in CropTrack uh, to do functional business. That That is a core part of what we do uh, in that process. It's the CropTrack data comes first, and we believe and uh, understand it to be correct through the processes that we've set up. And it, it, there's always checks and balances in our, in our system and in our enterprise, but CropTrack being CropTrack being able to do some of those things has been a, a huge help for us. So kind of going out in scope a little bit um, for the group, what do you think are the biggest challenges you anticipate um, for the produce industry going forward and how will technology solve them? Aaron, why don't you start? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I would say labor is probably one of the biggest ones for everybody, um, particularly in, pro in the produce world. Um, and I think we're seeing all kinds of things happen around us between robotics and, and vertical farming. And I think there's no lack of creativity trying to be applied to this business, you know, to solve that business problem there. Um, I, I think the I think that's probably going to be the biggest one because as labor costs go up and the number of people it takes to do these things and the number of people that are around, we got to feed. These are, you know, compounding problems um, that we have to kind of deal with. Yeah. Justin or Jamie, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I always come back to, I forget the exact stat, but it's something like, you know, 40% of the product that's grown in the field never makes it to the fork. Right, and and that's and that's really one of the challenges of of the food waste problem. And so I agree with Aaron. You know, absolutely, labor is probably one of the biggest challenges for ag. Um, but right there with it is kind of this idea of um, how do we get better? And so you know, this idea of, of some of the food waste I think is um, we see as opportunity, and really. It just means that there's there's so much more we can get better at across the supply chain, and so and the, and the only way or the primary way we're going to get there, um, I believe, really is with coming up with innovative you know tech solutions, and whether it's whether it's robotics, whether it's 
a lot of um, kind of the AI that's coming out that's going to help optimize supply and demand. You know, there, there's all kinds of things that I think um, technology is on the forefront of that really is going to have an impact on the produce supply industry as a whole. And so, you know, we're excited to see that. And, I, you know, I really think, um, you know, you're going to see a lot more efficiencies gained in the whole um, fresh produce supply chain. Um, and, you know, we're, we're starting to see some of it on our end. Um, and we just, we think there's so much more to go. And so, you know, that gets us excited and, you know, we're opportunistic. And I think it's, it's reflective of the rest of the industry. Mm-hmm. So how has technology helped Lipman maintain its resiliency, be that to COVID, climate change, or other economic pressures? Yeah, so I think just as the cost of inputs and the landscape just becomes more and more complex, uh, having the visibility to our operations through that operational data that we're uh, storing and capturing in tools like CropTrack, it'll help us fill in the the pieces of the puzzle that we fill in uh, of the marketplace or the labor force uh, and identify which ones we can control. And I guess the ultimate goal is to keep our operational costs low. Mm -hmm. With increasing expectations for transparency across the supply chain on the grocery shelves or label or from an ESG perspective, where do you think the produce industry will be in five years? Get your crystal ball out. (laughs) <laughs> I'd probably add to your list there, transparency of carbon. Uh, I mean, if we think about how we started with transparency with food and how it's grown to be not just the food itself, but the inputs into the food and, and all of that, I think we're going to look at carbon in the same way. I think carbon's a crop. And, and like a crop, we're going to have to track it and do all of those bits and pieces. Um, so I, in five years, I think you're going to look back and the 503 company is going to say, you know, was that a good carbon? Was it collected by a dirty battery or was it collected by a, you know, agronomic practice that, you know, left the, left the world better, you know, than we found it kind of thing. So Aaron, are you guys thinking about how to track that then and, and how to have that be part of what you offer? Um, we already do. And we do for some really large companies on a global oh, level. Um, so we're tracking and calculating, uh, working with universities, both in the U.S. and, and Europe, uh, for ESG calculators and um, as well as uh, sustainability and, and compliance. Because, I mean, the other side of this is there's a whole level of compliance that's coming with um, the EU's version of the Green, green Deal and, uh, and some other kinds of things that are going on around the planet. So you can't just sell your food anymore. You need to sell it with all the paper. And so all of that paper needs to be there at the same time as their arrival. And so for our customers, um, we help them make sure that every piece of that paper is there as well, with, you know, filled out properly um, so their product is received and accepted. Kind of leads to uh, my next question, which is earlier this month, the UN issued a report calling on agriculture specifically to reduce the impact of climate change. What immediate and long-term changes um, do you foresee? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Aaron hit on that quite a bit. There's going to be more and more um, regulation, I think, requirement to begin to track. And um, a lot of this, I think, you know, some of the food waste, Issues that we talked about across the global supply chain 
um, is going to continue to be a focus. Um, you know, and then, and then the transparency thing, I mean, it, I think it's always been there from the onset of, of many of the food safety requirements, and it, it just continues to evolve and expand. Um, and so, you know, as a company, we've always called it access to the acre and really being able to give our customer, you know, that access to uh, to the acre. And so, um, in a lot of ways, I think th there's a lot of this that's going to become the new norm and is already with, with the onset of blockchain and other technologies that are giving big companies the ability to, to track um, some of their supply chain through this. Um, but, but I think it's, you know, the, the flip side is um, it's going to reward those that are doing the right things. And, and for those that are, that are great operators, I think they're going to continue to be able to, to perform and do well. And, and I think the challenge is going to be maybe for those that have, that have operated somewhat in the dark or under the radar, um, it's going to force, them to change some of their their policies and procedures or the things that they're doing, um, you know, in, in to either perform to stay in the game and play, or um, I think it's going to reward, you know, like I said, I think a lot of the good actors are going to be rewarded through this, and um, there's going to be a lot of, you know, value to that, some of that transparency and accountability that will come with it. I think you hit on something, right? I mean, the most progressive produce guys were already using sustainability and resource saving processes, drip tape and everything else, because it meant that they had less costs in their crop, which helped them with mm -hmm. their profitability and all of that. So this is not a new concept, I think, for a lot of the produce guys. Um, I think it is a new concept for cows and you know people with large range areas. I mean, at the end of the day, we're only talking about 2% of, of farmland usage in North America or in, in the Americas is really farm, is produce. So um, our impact as a community is, is a little bit small from that perspective because uh, we don't have the broad acres to work with. Um, but because water is so expensive in the places where we, in Arizona and California and places like that where we grow these things, um, you know, we've always been re resource restrained and, and that's benefited those who have are, who've taken on sustainable kind of processes right out of the gate. Um, and like he said, I think those who've been able to get away without being able to do that because they live somewhere with unlimited water or, 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 or the like, um, you know, this is going to be a lot harder for them. I think it's going to be a, a documentation really issue. Um, the UN's processes, uh, when I look at them on a more global level for some of our customers, um, you know, we're worried about did you burn down a rainforest to, to plant that crop? Um, are you employing the indigenous population and not paying them? So slave labor, are you, you know, are you employing children underage? Are you not paying a reasonable salary? Are you not providing education and things like that? Um, so, so the paper part of agriculture is getting thicker and thicker. Um, and that, that, st that story is the community wants to know that story on the receiving end of it, that, um, that they didn't do harm in the process of, feeding themselves, right? Mm -hmm. um, one way I think about the world is, is um, when I think about all these things is, I can't be healthy if the thing I, I put in my mouth wasn't healthy and the place it was growing wasn't healthy and the earth that it was growing wasn't healthy, right? Um, so there is a tie. This stuff does all tie back together in the end. Mm -hmm. So my last question, um, not meant to be a trick question, but um, I was just curious, um, what's the favorite product of uh, you all that Lipman grows or producers? And you can use either a crop or a brand. So Jamie, let's start with you. Yeah, um, I actually, I'm 
I really like the Romas. Uh, we're getting them more and more uh, close by at, at our grocery stores here in Florida. So um, staying, I think, always a top favorite. I really like to cook, and it's like the core of, of a lot of my recipes is tomatoes or tomato sauce. Fabulous. So, yeah, so I'll go with our flagship brand is the Crimson Queen, um, and that's, that's really a kind of a, a B2B food service standpoint. So a lot of people are probably eating the Crimson Queens without necessarily realizing it, um, but tremendous flavor, color, um, just probably one of the best field-grown tomatoes that's on the market. I hope you enjoyed this real-life look at supply chain management. Thanks for listening. That's it for this episode of PMA Takes on Tech. Thanks for allowing us to serve as your guide to the new world of produce and technology. Be sure to check out all our episodes at pma.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and I would love to get any comments or suggestions of what you might want me to take on. For now, stay safe, eat your fruits and vegetables, and we will see you next time.